Hey, hey, it's Claire. Bonjour. Thanks for listening to the Integrally Alive podcast, Sparkling Life and going from alive-ish to Integrally Alive. Today I'm with Martin Sibley. Hey, Martin. Thanks for being with us Hello. today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having so, me on. <laughs> well, my pleasure. So Martin, for those who don't know him yet, is just a regular guy who happens to have a disability called spinal muscular atrophy. And this means he cannot walk, lift anything heavier than a book or shower himself. And he has experienced both societal exclusion and a feeling of inferiority through personal development and social entrepreneurship, though he has achieved many of his personal and professional goals. He co-founded and runs his company, Disability Horizons. He published a book, Everything is Possible, has a degree in economics and a master's in marketing. He has presented for the BBC. He's also a blogger and a speaker to bring awareness on disability. He drives his own adapted car with his hands and loves adventure travels. And when I say he loves, he does. He has flown a plane, enjoyed skiing, scuba diving. He flew in a balloon. I wouldn't be surprised to learn one day he's gone to Mars. Like, that doesn't <laughs> seem to be a limit to what he can do. And he really lives up to the title of his book, like, everything is possible. Yes. But most of all, he has one of the most genuine smiles I've ever come across. And I know it can sound cheesy, but really, this is what struck me as something special about you when we were in Tallinn for a few weeks and we were together with a few hundred other people uh, with Main Valley University. Every time and every single time I saw you, you were not only smiling, but just looking at you, I could feel this joy of just being alive going you know, through you. So today... We will talk about Martin's big vision to live in a world without barriers, prejudice of dis discrimination. We will talk about disability, but also about joy and living purposefully. And maybe we will talk about a few elephants in the room. So let's dive in. You present yourself, and I love it, as a world changer. And often it's just a kind of grandiose title and you feel like, yeah, World changer, really, but you see the person is not living up to it. But with you, somehow, I totally believe that when you say world changer, I'm like, yes, that's true. But did you always feel that way? How, where do you come from? Who were you before you, you became the world changer you are today? Yeah, I think there was always uh, a parallel between I've always had the, the big dreams and aspirations, even from a young age I remember even though I could never walk I've always been in the wheelchair mm -hmm. um, but I always enjoyed football and so I still would daydream about scoring the winning goal in like the big you know, world cup or the competition so I, I, I definitely always had that uh, dreamy nature to do big things and then of course the other side is that with the disability I do need help to get out of bed and to get dressed and to do very basic tasks. Mm -hmm. So there, of course, are times where there's a, a doubt or a, a worry about how that might work. Um, so, yeah, it definitely was navigating through the dreaming big with the how to do the day-to-day -day functional and practical things was, was a challenge for sure. 
And it seems like there was a, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a vision I have from your blog and your YouTube channel, but it seems that the traveling really took a big part of you owning your, uh, your ability to basically do everything, like in everything is possible. Was it? Yeah, or? Yeah. I think that, yeah, you're right. That from, from growing up and I went to an inclusive school, so I wasn't, the only person with a disability I think mm -hmm. um, or, or rather I, there wasn't only disabled people there it was a kind of a mixture and I think that mm. was healthy that I wasn't defined by having a disability yes. but I also had peers that were disabled that we understood that particular part of life so that balance was really important but my mum and dad did all of my care So, you know, being at home and whenever I wanted to go to parties, because I went to university when I was about 19. And so mm -hmm. up until 19, it was always very relying on my mum and dad. So the first step would have been to go to go away to study and live in the halls and have the carers. And that was scary and, and exhilarating at the same time. Mm. Um, And then I think once I'd learned how to manage carers, because it's like managing a team, I had to very much, you know, make sure that they were happy with the working conditions and the pay and the sort of things that business owners do. But it was just so I could have a shower and have my food cooked and, you know, go about day-to-day -day life and, and go mm -hmm. to my lectures and to the parties as well um so yeah I think that that was a big deal but then yeah really the to then go traveling was the ultimate I've shown myself and I've shown the world that having this kind of disability doesn't define you or hold you back or um, limit you and mm -hmm. so um, as you know Claire my first big trip was to Australia and that was really like a If I'm going to go somewhere on my own, I'm going to go to the other side of the world. <laughs> it's a big challenge first. I, yeah, as you mentioned, I've not yet been to Mars, but uh, if I, you know, soon <laughs> I I'm sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> but I was impressed, actually. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of traveling as well, and uh, I did quite a few of traveling. But I was impressed. By listening to the uh, to your videos on your channel, by the challenges you had to face from just flying in a plane and then finding your ways around finding um, places that you could get into, like it turns into a kind of a project on its own. You have to manage so many things. So I was really impressed by this side of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Australia, obviously, I would look for the the hotels where I would want to stay and. I would book the appropriate flight, but then I needed two carers to assist me because mm. I went away for three weeks and it's too long for one person. Also because I need help in the nighttime. So I wake up two or three times and need assistance to be moved then. And so with the broken sleep, it's very important that they can share that that you know workload. Um, and then to get on the plane there's a lot involved with taking the wheelchair um, and there's a lot of difficulties and problems that wheelchair users face every day 
with the, the chair being broken or left somewhere mm. and all that. The kind of stuff that happens to people's suitcases and baggage, which is yeah. not, not right either. But we're talking about ten to £20,000 pieces of equipment that are basically your mobility and your mm. independence. So it's, you know, you can buy as much as it's an annoying cost, but you can buy the, the new suitcase or something, but the, the chair is very precious. It's, yeah. it's everything. So that, that's a big difficulty. Um, and then I rely on a hoist, which is the machine that lifts me from the chair to the bed and the shower. And so the carers aren't having to physically lift me every time um so i have to hire or take a travel hoist when i travel as well so yeah it's a military operation <laughs> to, to research where to go where is accessible and have mm. all this equipment and processes in place so i think I, I, when i talk to people about entrepreneurship um so we uh, with my friend who i co-founded the magazine with we also co-founded a website called Accommable and it was because of our love of travel and seeing the problems and then mm. finding some solutions ourselves but seeing what solutions could exist. We created what we called Airbnb for disabled people and then after some first round investment and in fact before that we had like a grant to get going, we sold it to Airbnb last year and so that was a real world changer moment where one mm -hmm. little idea about one or two people's experience is now scaled up to Airbnb where they obviously have a reach of a lot more people that want to yes. travel with a disability. Oh, that's great. That's world changing on <laughs> yeah. in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that because I was, um, so I've been traveling a bit. I was sailing at some point. I was doing fun things and a lot of answers and feedback I have from like sedentary people is, oh, I love this, but I couldn't do this or that. And mm. I have answers and possibilities to all of that. And I love when you, you change the questions of, oh, can I do that to how can I do that? Because you always like, you're, you're a great example of that. You can always find solutions for any problems you, you can imagine. You just need to, to actively look for a solution and not ask yourself if you're going to do it or not. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's that intention that if there's something that is like, I think vision talked about when ideas tickle at you and if they keep tickling, then you really do need to act on them. Um, and so to have that idea of what you would want to do is obviously the first step. And then absolutely, it's the, the how can I as well. And I mean, I've been fortunate once I'd started blogging. So in my professional backstory is that I was working at a big charity in London after my studies, which was in Coventry in the middle of England. I moved to London and got the job. And... I really was taken by the, the mission of the charity. It was for disabled people. And I got a lot of learning and development. So I became a trainer and that gave me a lot of my um, experience of speaking and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I also was a smaller cog in a very big wheel. And I wanted to just do more 
with life, both generally with travel, but also with my actual work mm-hmm. things as well. And I was at a conference for fundraising and I met a couple who were, um, and again, we, we've discussed this in Estonia, but it's nice for your listeners and your viewers to, to hear about it, that from paying £50 to have a couple, this couple who had spoke at the conference help me start blogging, it really just opened the world up to me. And that's the best £50 I ever have spent in my <laughs> life. And then from the blogging, I then was being invited to try things or, or I would want to do something, but because I'm a blogger and I run the magazine, it was easier to get people to, to you know, accept that mm-hmm. kind of collaboration. Um, and so I found all these places that did adventure activities that were made possible for people with a disability. So it, it's a really big message that if someone does have limitations with their health, then there is still always a way to do it. And those that don't have some of the physical limitations, but they have the worries and anxieties, which are very valid, mm. but it just shows that, you know, in the end, if you if you stick to it and you find the way, then yeah, everything is possible to, to repeat that mantra. Yeah. I remember you mentioning resisting to work in the disability area because it was kind of, Okay, it's a cliche. I'm disabled. I'm going to be working in disability. Did you have this uh, resistance in the beginning? How did you overcome that, is, if it's the uh, case? Yeah, I suppose it was in not wanting to be totally defined by being disabled. Yeah. I yeah. then pushed more of it away than was correct or appropriate. So, but it was also very much just growing up the teenage years, the hormones, the worries. And so <laughs> I think a lot of people have views in the teenage years that then when they get older and they have life's experience, they, they change those views. And I suppose, yeah, it, it felt more like a, um, a negative of, oh, well, it's too obvious to work within disability. Whereas mm. now I realise it's like my my strength of my superpower I guess because of my circumstances my message to the world is is made through that journey and why would I want to hold that back from people Mm -mm. yeah totally I'm asking because I have and I had this kind of same same but different uh, experience where I cannot so uh, for those who don't know yet my father uh, suicided when I was eight and I kind of fought my whole life after that, being defined by this, because for sure it changed my life mm-hmm. and so on. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not the daughter of a suicide dad. I'm much more than that. And so when, I'm, when I began the Integrally Alive uh, project, a lot of it, it was coming from suicide. And it was after my brother's suicide as well. So I was... Uh, I want to do something with about that, but I don't want to be defined by this. But then I realized yeah. as long as I don't own this story, then it's owning me. So now yeah. I don't have a problem yeah. at all with that. And, and I actually don't have this problem anymore. It's not even a problem. It was a problem in my head before because I was kind of trying to push it away instead of, yeah, like you say, it's my superpower. <laughs> mm. That's <laughs> really powerful. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that, yeah. I think and we all have, you know, of course, that there can seem like an inequality of challenges in life that some people seem to just coast along without worries and problems and others mm. just always seem to have not particularly pleasant experiences that, that are challenging. But I think even the people that seem to be totally fine, they still have challenges that they have to overcome one way or another. We all do. Um, and yeah, just some are more obvious than others. And I think that's something my mum always said, that I have this really obvious disability that I'm, mm. I'm sat in a wheelchair and you can't miss it. Everyone has these difficulties they have yes. to contend with one way or another. Yeah. There's something you say on your website, I think, like you write, having a disability feels like an eternal venture of educating people. Many people who haven't come into contact with disability have rather strange preconceptions of what my life, my life is like. And, I mean, this is obviously even more so true for, for you. Like you said, it's kind of obvious you're in, in wheelchair, but I think it's, it's something we all more or less um, experience. The, the image other people have about ourselves and sometimes you're like, hmm, this doesn't sound like me, <laughs> but what can I do about that? So I was curious, what would be like three most common misconceptions people have about your life that is not you? Yeah, um, I suppose the very obvious one is just around intellectual capability that they see. Oh my God, really? You're in a wheelchair that you, you therefore have, yeah, like you're not able to talk or... To, to interact in the same way and I think that that's a very strong one and it's not that everybody thinks that and I think more recently disability has got more coverage in the media because mm. of the Paralympic and other things and so I think that that's slowly changing for the better but definitely some people just make an assumption that you can't talk or you can't think or you know have as good intelligence as people um i guess the second one would be that you don't work that you must be at home watching tv all right and, <laughs> and benefits which you could argue is connected to intellectual capability but it's you know it's a it's separate that it's about that yeah you don't maybe have a purpose in in mm -hmm. life and that kind of and the third one is when people are not drunk, they don't want to confront what they're scared of. And when people oh, are yes. on alcohol, they're happy <laughs> to like just come straight in and ask whatever's <laughs> on their mind. And I've been asked a lot of times if I'm able to have sex by complete strangers. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, you you would so never would do that. Funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's, it's not, it's actually a bit sad. Like, you, you don't want to do that with complete I mean, strangers. <laughs> I find it's so interesting that you, I, you actually talk about all of this on your website, Disability Horizons. And I actually love, like I saw there was, uh, there were categories and there is these relationship and sex category. And I guess it's a, a strong 
misconception that people have that okay you have a, a physical disability so sex is out of uh, of your life well mm, maybe not <laughs> and i love the way that you uh, through this um website you just talk like you call a, a wheelchair wheelchair <laughs> and you just talk very upfront and without taboos about what is life mm -hmm. with disability and how you can live and I don't know, it gives, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is being able to talk openly and without taboos about everything you encounter in your life makes it kind of, I mean, there is no problem anymore. You can go around then, you can find solutions again. But as long as you're like, mm, I don't want to see this kind of part of my life or then there is no, there's no power in there, there's no solution. Yeah, 100% agree. I think it's what you said before about when the story owns you, then mm. there's a problem. And when you own the story, it's fine. And I also think on that particular example that the, the charity model in the past was one that disabled people were dependent and yeah. they had to fundraise from the rest of society because of the poor disabled people. Mm. And did a lot of damage to the view society has on on people with a disability um, and also the charities therefore cannot be too edgy at least historically they couldn't be so edgy with with what they talked about um, and I also think that it's something I've gone through more recently particularly with the Mind Valley. Um, side of life that has come into my life now where <laughs> I definitely still have abundance blocks because I never thought when I was growing up I would be able to do certain things because of the way the media and society yeah. generally perceives disability um, and, I, and on, even like I've been looking at doing some courses and other ways of bringing content to the community and I had this really awkward feeling around charging for stuff to the community and that's partly mm. because of my block but it's also because we have to break certain things that were always done a certain way and I know we need to do it and part of that is you know being able to, to charge something for for good helpful info products and things like that um so there's a lot of interesting dynamics around the topics of taboo um both from what the community need what the charities will say what the media says and even what i kind of know we yeah. should be saying but i'm a little bit scared to say myself you know yeah and i pretty much resonate with what you say uh, about drunken people i mean not really drunken people but that's I felt it uh, as well in my in my story. Like suicide is not something; it's not sexy. It's not something that you want to hear. So I experienced in my in my life people being scared by my experience, and so being disconnected from me, not because who I am, but because of just my my life, <laughs> because of my yeah. life experience. Yeah. And and I strongly believe that the more awareness there is the less that can happen. So the less taboo it is to talk about, well, 
pain in general, be it disability, death, suicide, whatever. But the more we are okay to talk about pain in general and confront it, then the easier actually it becomes to live with it and to be around uh, with others without um, a problem. I was just going to say that I would rather the drunk version is to me preferable, <laughs> not, not because yes. of alcohol, but like the openness <laughs> of asking yes. the question is preferable than this sort of silence and awkwardness around Mm-mm. engaging with a topic when, when there's not alcohol involved. Because <laughs> the minute someone asks a question or says something that is kind of incorrect, then you've got the, the possibility to educate and, and mm. with kindness and with love. I was listening yesterday to Wayne Dyer's autobiography and he made a point about when you tried to be right, yes. there's a lot of ego. But when yeah. you empathise that the person isn't being a terrible person for that, their view, and you're kind and loving in your education then all of the barriers fall away. And then, yeah, it, that's where that my vision is that there is a world without these barriers and not just the ones that are for disabled people, but all of the racism and sexism, etc. Yeah, because this is something, so again, I was looking at your videos and you were touching on subjects that comes from your experience as a disabled person, but I could relate to almost everything so not to the same extent like my travels are very much more simple than yours but i could relate to a sense of feeling rejected or uh, i'm trying to find a specific example in mind i i don't have one now but i i was more and more i was looking into your videos and i was thinking well okay this is really uh, great and relative to disability but you have something to teach to basically everyone like this is universal yeah yeah and i'm going through a bit of a transition at the moment and in a way i am coming back to that point of view when i was younger about not only being defined (laughs) by disability so maybe it's not so adolescent after all maybe that that there is truth, you know, but it, in the end, it's a balance. And so I, I have mm. a disability which will always shape some or a lot of my experiences. I will always want to keep giving to the community that I've built up and that are still not yet aware of the work we do. Um, and so mm. we have some big plans around courses and bringing in guest authors and having events, and that might all sound quite familiar wow. from what Mind Valley do, right? But it, it's what our audience need with the specific topics around disability. But yeah, I, I also am a speaker and a coach in general, and so I, I want to take the experiences of doing everything I've done with blogging and travel and all the rest of it to other audiences that can learn from my experience, from my message, and apply that to very different social problems. And, mm. and yeah, I mean, maybe the word problem sounds too negative. It's just they can use it in whatever way is appropriate for them. 
one thing I love about your story and your experience is, again, we, we have this image of that's projected from others on, on ourselves. And somehow, if you conform to these images, like you only grow to the extent of, the, uh, of your environments, but sometimes you have to grow beyond this image that's mirrored to you. And it sounds to me like you did that in a, in a very big, uh, big way. And maybe you have to kind of do it daily in your, uh, in your daily life. Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned the 50 pounds I'd spent that got me going as yes. a blogger was big. I think the other most important money I've spent is on my personal development. And the books that I read are always quite um, biographical about all kinds of different people that did amazing things from civil rights to business to sport and beyond. Um, and that definitely fuels my ability to, to envision something beyond where I am now. And also then you mentioned the, the daily kind of practice that I did a lot of things intuitively, but I then had a bit of a burnout a couple of years ago just from the, particularly the accommodable business. Um, but just generally, I just overdid it. And that's really what brought me towards Mind Valley in the end was that I needed more support with uh, the habits and the structures of how to look after myself emotionally and spiritually, and in fact physically, and, and to keep learning new things in good ways as well. So that sort of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, I, I now have habits and practices I do every day that makes sure I'm as close to how I want to be as possible. Mm. Of course, some days we're lazy or we forget or whatever, but that broad <laughs> practice has been very important. I was uh, hearing that in your video on health, and I was like, yes, because it's one of the things I really want to educate on, and it's one of, it's basically the one thing I always touch on in my sessions, like health is not only physical or mental, it's everything. You need to be physically, emotionally, in relationships, uh, in yeah. your, with your mind. You need all of that to feel really healthy. And you can be yeah. in perfectly like physical health, for example, but if your emotions are totally out of the way, then no way you can feel good with yourself. So I was like, yeah. yay. <laughs> really happy to hear that from you. <laughs> And, and something you said just before the interview, and I was hearing you saying now about this big word changing, a word changer clubs or, or whatever we want to call it. You were saying, well, this is not an exclusive group. Like, this is not a VIP kind of thing. We're all word changer in our, in our ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As an example, in um, Kasha and I live in a little town near to Cambridge in England. And there's like 15 or 20,000 people in the town. And so this is just one little town, one little example. But there's a thing called time banking where the people that need support with something, it doesn't have to be like just older people or disabled people with more, you know, hard 
help to get by in, in important ways. But it can just be, you know, with doing the garden and people don't have time because they've got busy work or busy family life. And it basically has taken money out of the occasion and so um, out of the equation rather. And so you're able to give for free and to receive help for free. And I, I've seen like we've, we've done bits on both sides and we've met other people that do that. And it is just all of those little actions where we take the time to meet other people and to help other people it does change the world because mm. there is always that ripple effect. Like when the stone drops into the, the lake, that, that ripple effect goes so far that you can never know what it achieves. But it, it's so important that we all have that in mind and we do the little things because that is in the end how you change the world. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's so, so true. You can never know what impacts will have just one tiny action. And for you, maybe it's nothing. But I don't know, maybe a video of you di scuba diving, like someone seeing that and will change and feel empowered to, do, to change something in his life. Like, you know, this kind of, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. It's kind of mentality. So, yeah. yeah. And I'll never know true extent. Well, I, like, I, I mean, I do hear back from some people and it's lovely to have that encouragement and you know on, on a little bit of the ego side it's like nice just <laughs> to feel that every all that effort and energy that there's some <laughs> acknowledgement and appreciation but yeah actually I don't need to hear back from people but I just mm. know that it will have some positive effect yes. on them. And again, going through you, and especially the, uh, the video of Denise, Gondola for All, and this just radiant smile you have on this gondola, looking around and just enjoying every second being there on this gondola. It gave me the image of how much sometimes we just don't acknowledge what we are living. And we already know this kind of uh, gratitude, and it can be fluffy sometimes. But to me, it really comes down to really enjoying what we are doing and being aware and reminding of, I don't know, just moving around is just great. And just being able to breathe is just wonderful. And you know, all these tiny things that are not, not so tiny, but we just, like for us, it's part of daily life. So we don't even pay attention to it. And then you meet someone or you, you have something. Like I had dengue in Indonesia. And I was for 10 days, I could literally, I couldn't move. I didn't get up. I was not eating, nothing. It was feeling like I was being dead, still alive, but like dead. After that, wow, I enjoyed everything. Moving, living, walking, everything was like a miracle. <laughs> so you, you reminded me uh, a lot of that. And I was like, maybe that's what struck me in the in Tallinn is you're in, you seem to enjoy everything and knowledge just it's the sense of being alive in whatever you do that's very touching yeah yeah I, I, I've not actually seen it in that way so it's nice to have to, to hear your your thought of it well, I certainly on a philosophical level there's a writer called Ryan Holiday and he talks a lot about stoicism and the basic premise of the Stoics is around when you understand that death will happen and it's not all 
will happen yes. or be negative. It's just that we are all going to die. Yeah. Then, at least for now, before then, all these advances yeah. and technology that are coming along, um, you then appreciate yeah. the little things. Yeah. It reminded me, particularly with that example in Venice, that I was in my very heavy 150 kilogram wheelchair on a gondola, but it wasn't that clear how tested and secure it was. So <laughs> I was that close to potential death that I had just such a big smile. And well, what is one thing you wish someone told you back when just before you made this shift to, okay, now I'm, I feel like I'm a world changer and, and I'm doing my, my thing and I'm on my kind of mission. What was one thing that would have helped you, I don't know, maybe shifting faster or being more empowered? Yeah. I suppose that the American couple I keep mentioning did say a lot of things to me that, that served mm -hmm. that purpose and it was very much around just go for it so that was the basic message was don't overthink and delay and wait for the right time it was start right now it won't be perfect things will go wrong but just take action so i, I think that was a big part of it from them and i also when i write i was telling someone the other day they say to have someone in mind when you're writing for that kind of defines the broader audience that you're writing for. And often I write for my 15-year-old self and that is what I would have wanted to know at that age to help me get through all those worries and anxieties. And I guess, yeah, if I could go back then, it would basically be just chill out. Everything will work out in the end. The final question I always ask is, what makes you feel alive? But at this point, it, it sounds really funny to ask you that because it was a lot of, yeah, you, you're, I mean, it's obvious that you, <laughs> your life, traveling makes your life, it sounds like everything makes your life. But anyway, what makes you feel alive? Yeah, when I mentioned the burnout a couple of years ago, and so I found more enjoyment and love of life to be, with Kasha and our dog, Sunny, who you saw before we started, Golden Retriever, um, and then being in the garden and, and having nice meals and going for walks. So I, I've tried to probably tame the amount of aspiration and ambition so that I can enjoy everything in the present moment. And that, that's mm. been a challenge for me. Um, but I know that if I don't, as much as I'm alive while I'm starting a new business or talking on stage or traveling to another country, it, it can affect my health in the long run. It was the balance that obviously learning the simple things has been important because when I'm on stage or traveling or doing a new business, it's that's when I really feel alive, but it also mm. can take its toll on my health So that's why I've had to find the balance between the joy for now, but the joy for changing the world stuff as well. Mm -mm. Yeah, beautiful. I think we all can relate to that. I definitely can. <laughs> between yeah, yeah, doing things and seeing new stuff and, and then 
taking care of myself and yeah. resting so, and yes yeah. yeah yeah well well thank you for being with us today and sharing all of this and your story and your joy of living with us it's really a pleasure it's not only interesting but it's also very fun and a, and a pleasure to be with you so thank you very much oh. Thank you. No, it was great to, to be on your show and good luck with the, the other episodes. And um, I'm sure that the people listening are getting a lot of value out of your your kind connecting within the world. Yeah, well, thank you. So I'm, now I'm very curious about your upcoming uh, online course and your upcoming project that you mentioned. So please keep us uh, updated on, on that. And I forgot to ask you, where can my listeners find you? So you've got a website, so martinsibley.com? Yeah, my blog is martinsibley.com, martin with a Y, so M-A-R-T-Y-N-S-I-B-L-E-Y.com, and Disability Horizons. If anyone has the interest in disability, then that's where it's, it's been essentially a magazine. So there's a lot of articles that we've published since 2011, and then that will be where the, the courses will come Okay, and you've got a YouTube channel as well. Like, I, I want yeah. to mention it because there's a lot of good things on it. And don't think that, oh, I'm not disabled, it won't be interesting for me. No, go, go in and look. This is uh, great stuff <laughs> on there, very inspiring. Okay, well, thanks again for taking time to be with us and sharing your inspiring message with us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast, comment on the blog, let us know what you think about that. And until next time, keep on sparkling life and being integrally alive. Bye.